This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and I'm delighted today to be joined by author Vasavi Kumar. Vasavi is often described as the queen of saying it out loud, a first-generation Indian immigrant raised on Long Island, New York. Vasavi has relentlessly searched to find her own voice, to access the freedom of her creative spirit, and to help others along the way out loud. When she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 19, she made it her absolute mission to understand how our minds work, starting with making room to hear herself think. Her mission is to share the fullness of the human experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, in order to teach a more mindful, practical, and simple way of creating every aspect of your life. Through her book, and I have it right here, I have the galley copy, Say It Out Loud, and it is wonderful. Through her Say It Out Loud book, her podcast, her workshops, keynotes, group programs, social media, and weekly newsletters, Vasavi has taught thousands of entrepreneurs, creatives, and artists from all walks of life how to really move through any situation by saying it out loud. Vasavi is a TV host, a licensed therapist, speaker, voiceover artist, and creator of the Say It Out Loud Safe Haven, an online support community. She holds a dual master's degree in special ed from Hofstra University and social work from Columbia University. Not too shabby. Vasavi Kumar, welcome to Finding Your Bliss and congratulations on your fabulous new book, Say It Out Loud. Judy, what a beautiful intro. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you so much for being here. I love that you were told as a child, Vasavi, in your native language of Tamil, even though your mother would say it half jokingly, and I'm going to completely mispronounce this one, <laughs> so forgive me, Vasavi Chuma Iyer. <laughs> Is that completely wrong? How, no, what's the right way? <laughs> it's Vasavi Chuma Iyer. Chuma means shut your mouth. Chumaira, 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I know means, and you write that it loosely translates to mean Vasavi, stop talking. And here you've written a book called "Say It Out Loud." Isn't it ironic the way life is? Isn't it? Yeah. So, in fact, using your voice, the very thing that is helping you make other people's dreams come true, was something you were once admonished for. But it's the very thing that is helping you change lives. Can you tell us more? about this beautiful book, Say It Out Loud, what it's about and what inspired you to write it. So what it's about in a nutshell is it teaches my reader how to talk to themselves. Unlike other books where you need an expensive journal, you need your pen, your pencil, whatever. And not that there's anything, you know, not effective with journaling. Some people really love and benefit from journaling. But I found for me that I am and I, I was and I still am an external processor. And I learned that by saying each part that I was experiencing, each of these different voices or thoughts in our head that come through us, um, 
you know, whether we're dealing with a conflict or a decision that we have to make, keeping all of these thoughts in my head really felt overwhelming for me, felt very loud. And so I learned how to distinguish each voice by saying it out loud so that I could tap into another part of me. I call it the voice of God, the voice of intuition that we all have access to. But yeah, it's pretty ironic because I definitely got in trouble for calling out the elephant in the room, whether it was my mother speaking to my father in a way that I did not think he deserved, whether it was my father who was blatantly just stonewalling my mother and ignoring her. And I would say, respond to her. Like I could see and feel and hear everything. And even that which was not said as a child. And I got in trouble for it, as most truth tellers do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've just happened to make a career, a book and a life out of telling the truth, because there are many of us out here walking the planet that have so much truth inside of us and they need to say it out loud. Wow. It sounds just so freeing. It really sounds delightful because I'm a person that I think keeps a lot in because I know that you can get in trouble for saying out loud what you're thinking. So it just feels very liberating to hear about this. Does saying our thoughts and words out loud really have the power to transform our lives? Absolutely. You know, here's the best way to kind of describe this process, right? If you are the type of person that has a tendency to keep everything inside, I mean, it eventually, and unless you're very good at compartmentalizing your thoughts, it's going to just feel extremely noisy in your mind. And so it does work. And I have done this with my clients who are typically internal processors. They grew up in homes where they were silenced and just kind of told to not rock the boat. When you start to speak out loud, Judy, you hear the sound of your own voice. You can hear the fallacy. You can hear the lie. You can hear where you're not being congruent because our body stores emotions. Mm -hmm. Our body knows when we're lying to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for most of us, I think when we're born, we're born sensitive and extremely clear and pure and children pick up on everything. They can tell Mm -hmm. when you're not lying. They can tell when something's not being said. They're quite observant. And so we can do the same thing for ourselves. I can hear myself say something or ask myself a question and respond out loud. And I'm like, no, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound right. And the way that we can distinguish that is because our words carry vibration. Mm-hmm. And if you are pretty much a clear person internally, you can pick up on the incongruencies in your own mm-hmm. thinking and the incongruencies in what you're thinking, saying, and doing. So yeah, it really does work. I have worked through creative brainstorming sessions, even just with myself, like, okay, I need to figure out X, Y, Z, right? And I'll say out loud, like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And then I'm going to go do this. And I'll hear something. And I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. But it's like, when I keep it all in my head, it all feels the same. So when you say it out loud, you're able to transcend beyond that ego viewpoint. You're able to hear yourself in a more logical way, kind of like why we're so good at offering sage advice to friends, because we're not in their Mm -hmm. situation. We're not emotionally attached to their outcome. That's why I make an excellent therapist and a coach, because I'm not emotionally attached to your results. Right. I am. If anything, I want you to be speaking your truth. Right. And that's what I'm listening for. So we can do that with ourselves. We can give ourselves the great sage advice that we give others when we listen and ask the right questions of ourselves. Thank you for that. I love in the book when you talk about triggers, because we all have triggers and you ask people to answer out loud. What are some of the things that instantly fill you with anger, fear, anxiety, or other unpleasant things? Is it the person who cuts you off in traffic, you write, or someone who goes to you? For me, it's a lack of regard and respect, and it can make me go right off. So I did this recently with someone. So how do you talk through your triggers out loud 
before all of your pent up frustration just explodes. Well, you know, especially for my people who say, oh, I'm fine. I shouldn't be mad about it. Let me not make a big deal. Or, you know, uh, I have found a lot of times in the spiritual wellness community, there's so much bypassing going on. It's like, just affirm your way. Just think positive. And it's like, listen, if you're annoyed and you're irritated by something, acting as if it's not occurring, that's <laughs> fantasy. That's not right. reality. And you know what causes suffering? When we're not living in reality and we're expecting our reality to feel and be differently than what it is in the moment. So for my people out there who, when you are activated, when you are triggered, when something annoys you, when something sets you off, instead of being like, oh, I should just get over it. I say this in the book, ask yourself out loud, like you care what's bothering me right now. What's irritating me right now? Why am I annoyed right now? And answer back, honestly, because you want to lie to the world? Fine. Don't lie to yourself. And what will happen is when you stop lying to yourself, you'll stop lying to the world. But when you say it to the person <laughs> who you went off on, who really, you know, you say to that person, is there a way to couch it so that you're not going off on them, that you're explaining your pent up frustration in a way that's a little more, I don't know, <laughs> user friendly? I don't know. I would counter that question which is by asking, why do you let yourself get to the point of being pent up and then verbally diarrheaing over other people? Right. It's not about the other person, right. Right? right? So if you find yourself getting, you know, I don't want to speak in a way that's pent up, frustrated, you know, in frustration. Well, why do you get yourself to the point of being pent right. up? Say it, say so it earlier. If you're more say it out loud. If you're yeah. more honest with yourself on a day-to-day -day basis yes. and you acknowledge how you feel and you talk to yourself through it, get, get yourself through it, your bounce back muscle from these triggers and stuff will become stronger and stronger. Here's the thing. When you're living out your calling in this lifetime, Judy, we don't have time to be triggered, right? But the thing is, things do happen. We do get triggered. And instead of stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it, I'm saying you say it out loud as a practice, just like you scrape your tongue, just like you go to the bathroom. <laughs> you, you need to evacuate. You need to also do that with your emotions. I just did that this morning. My dentist <laughs> told me, don't forget to scrape your tongue. Oh, yeah. So twice, twice a day. You said that. Yeah, twice <laughs> a, a good day, thing. every day. Yep. It's a great, a great adventure. Yeah. So I want to just go back to your beginnings because you're like, people see you and they see, oh my God, she's got this fabulous Instagram, this unbelievable book, this podcast, you speak. And I can even just see from your demeanor, you've just got it together. But, you know, <laughs> I right? didn't always. <laughs> but you didn't always. And I think that's good for people to see because, you know, yeah. it's so interesting. I'm interviewing Tal Ben Shahar tomorrow, the, the uh, Harvard happiness, science of happiness mm -hmm. researcher, brilliant guy. And, and, and his whole thing also is the greatest success comes from failure. That even Thomas Edison, yes, he had 1,000 successful inventions, but before that he had about 20,000 failed ones. Mm -hmm. So it's good for people to know that, yes, you can have success like Vasavi and start off with some difficulty at the beginning of your life. And you were diagnosed as a young girl with bipolar disorder, as mentioned off the top. You've been through addiction, the 12-step programs of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. You went through a divorce. And it seems like a lot of the pain you went through was because you suppressed parts of yourself for so long. How do we learn to step back and ask ourselves if the way we are speaking to ourselves is helpful or hurtful? How do we start to be kind to ourselves to avoid a lot of the pain that we go through? First step is to acknowledge and admit that you're not being kind to yourself. I need you to first acknowledge 
that there are times where you are not being kind to yourself. So that's the first thing is to be willing to admit that you're not so kind to yourself, that you could, you could be a little bit more tender or you could be more motivating. You know, whatever your thing is, here's the thing. I don't have the issue of I'm not motivated. I'm internally extremely motivated. I don't mm-hmm. get motivated by external things. I have an internal drive, right? But there are mm-hmm. definitely areas in my life, like for example, to get myself up off the couch to go work out. I mean, I'm not that motivated. I have a voice in my head that'll say, it's okay, go tomorrow, <laughs> right? So I've had to learn how to talk to myself when it comes to my physical movement, okay? Some people may need to look at where can I be more motivating with myself? The point is take a look at the areas of your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pick one area that you're not satisfied in. Just one. I'm sure there are many. I mean, because we all have many areas. Always. Of our, yeah. We sure. all, I mean, and there's no shame in that. And then yeah. ask yourself, why am I not where I want to be in this area of my life? And just ask that question to yourself out loud and answer it out loud. And you can mm-hmm. actually hear the way you even speak about your life, the way you even speak about you in relation to your life or you in relation to money, you in relation to partnership, you in relation to visibility, success. Even as you're talking about it, you mm-hmm. can hear what you're saying to yourself. So the first thing I ask any client when they're like, I have a conundrum here. I'm dealing with this issue here. What are you telling yourself about the situation? (laughs) Because what you are saying to yourself up here is quite literally driving your behavior. Mm -hmm. It is driving your behavior. The words that you speak are directions for your body to follow. (laughs) Think about when you don't want to get out of bed. You have probably said to yourself, I don't want to get out of bed. I Mm want to stay here for five minutes longer. Guess what ends up happening? You end up missing that alarm three, four, five times. And you're like, what happened? You told yourself you want to sleep. Your body followed. I'm not saying to get up at 5 a.m. I do not get up at 5 a.m. Okay. I'm not part of the 5 a.m. club. Okay. I'm part of like the (laughs) 6.30, 6.45 a.m. club. My, My point is at any given moment with any situation that doesn't feel good for you and it feels uncomfortable or you're scared, you can ask yourself, what am I telling myself about this situation? And Mm -hmm. through that, you can ask yourself, is what I'm telling myself getting me closer to the result that I want? Is it helping me become more self-expressed? Is what I'm saying to myself helping me or is it hurting me? Mm -hmm. And you can tell if something's hurting you or it's not the best approach because you're not happy in that area of your life. Mm -hmm. It's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're incapable. It's because you have convinced yourself and you have told yourself a narrative. And guess what? You're playing that story out. So what if that happiness and that that thing that you want is not completely dependent upon you? If it comes to your career, you can get your career mm-hmm. going the way you want it. You can motivate yourself to get out of bed and do that yoga class or do that 10K walk or do that exercise. Harder for me to do to do the exercise yeah. part. The walking's good. But yeah. what if the, one of the things that's a concern involves another person. So it's not up to you. You don't have control over the whole situation. It's not like career or exercise or wellness. You can affect change in those areas. What if it's dependent upon another person? What do you do in those cases? Well, I would first get really clear on your values, right? Because at the end of the day, the decision that you make, regardless of whether you're working for someone, partnering with with someone, you're in a relationship with someone, this is your friend. This is where in the book, I talk about choosing yourself out loud. I am a firm believer that the world would be a better place if we chose ourselves first. What I mean by that is, is taking care of ourselves 
first, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever that looks like. So I'm going to say first and foremost that I I don't want anyone here to talk themselves through an abusive situation or talk themselves through a toxic situation, because then at that point, you're gaslighting yourself into staying in a relationship that's abusive. First thing is to ask yourself, what do I want out of this relationship? Is this relationship adding value to my life? Before you even talk to another person about the thing, Judy, you got to get honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Anytime I work with a client on how you know, have a conversation with the boss or this or that, they come to me first and I say to them, well, how do you really feel? Tell me unfiltered, unedited. How do you actually feel about this situation? What do you want as far as an outcome? What is the end result? Like, what do you want? Speak to what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got to get clear on like, do you want to stay in this friendship? Do you want to stay in this job? Do you want to stay in this partnership? Like, let's decide your commitment level first. And then from there, we speak to it. But a lot of times we're just in reactionary mode. And I think that's why we do need to slow down as a society. And the way that we can do that is learn how to verbally regulate ourselves. When we can talk to ourselves and understand ourselves and get to the truth of what we really want, then communicating that is just a matter of practice. Communication, confidence, it is a skill that can be built. And it is a skill that is built through practice. If you are not in the habit of being clear, courageous, and communicating authentically, it's not going to just happen because one day you decided you need to practice speaking in that way. How did Beyonce become the kind of singer that she is? First of all, she has a God-given gift, okay? But she practiced every day. She practices every day, even when she's not performing. You get what I'm saying? Like you got to practice behind closed doors. So that's why talking to yourself out loud is great practice. Because even if you can't say it to that person, you can say it to yourself because you're listening. (laughs) You're so smart. I think I bet you're just a fabulous coach. I'm wondering how did you go from the pain and suppressing these parts of yourself to just being this champ that you are today? I I honestly don't know. I do know that I am. let Let me not say I don't know. I've dedicated my life to saying it out loud, right? I mean, in full transparency, I've chosen not to have kids. I've chosen not to have kids a long time ago. And so for me, it's like, well, if I'm not having kids, then what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing with this body and this mind and this, I'm a human being, right? Like God gave me, I don't have a kid, but I have me, what am I going to do with my life? So I do have, I just want to say that. I mean, I, I'm very dedicated to having people not be so emotionally suppressed because I saw it firsthand growing up, just the explosiveness of my mother and the, my dad shutting down. And it was just, it wasn't fun for me as a child. I'm not going to lie to you and say I had a happy childhood. It was very tumultuous, chaotic, and mm-hmm. scary. And I had moments of happiness thanks to my father. So, mm-hmm. you know, my father always created a lot of fun experiences for my sister and I, but it, it, it wasn't safe. And uh, I've had to do a lot of rewiring of my nervous system. And so, you know, I've chosen a life where for now I'm single. We'll see who's, who God has in store for me. Who's, who's the lucky guy, you know, but I've chosen a life where I'm dedicated to writing my book, speaking about this, putting myself out there. But ultimately I speak from pain and I also speak from possibility, right? I know Mm. both the pain. I know the pain of feeling lonely. I know the pain of feeling worthless and not even wanting to live. I know the shame that one experiences when they have completely destroyed their life and everyone is there to see it. I also know the joy of what happens when you decide to no longer be the only thing getting in your own way. So I can speak to both sides. Hence, maybe the bipolarity, you know, I'm allowed to make that joke, but it's kind of, I can speak, I can speak to the pain and I can also speak to the possibility. I I love that. I love that. How 
do we learn to talk to ourselves in, and I'm using your words here, in a tender and caring manner instead of that cold and dismissive way? Well, I want to say, I mean, a lot of times we don't even really need to learn. We already know. And for people who really don't know, here's what I mean. You know, when I have my golden retriever, she's passed out next to me, right? She's 12 and a half years old. I mean, she's just, she's just adorable. She's right here. I can't stop looking at her. She is tender. And when I speak to her, I'm extremely tender. When I play with little babies, you know, if my girlfriend's had a baby, when I play with that baby, I'm tender. We know how to be tender hopefully, right? We can do that with ourselves. We've just been trained to think that it's considered weak if you're kind to yourself, right? Like we, in our society, we celebrate toughness. We've got to be tough. We don't feel things. Nothing bothers us. Yeah. How's that working for our society? (laughs) Right, Right. 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 So the way that you do it once again is practice, which is why at the end of every chapter, I give my reader a prompt, a practice and a promise. The prompt is help is, is to help you expand your awareness like notice what you're doing because without awareness, you don't even know that you're doing the thing. The practice is essentially that. I give you actual questions to ask yourself and I it's all out loud. You're going to ask yourself a question and you're going to answer yourself out loud. We have different parts of us that we can channel and tap into and I have experienced this firsthand. I've done this with my clients. My clients do this on their own. It works. Your voice has the power to wake up different parts of you that have been silenced. It just needs to come out and play and feel safe to come out and do so. It's so great. So I have to say this sort of on a humorous note, when I was preparing for this interview, I kept thinking about this time that I was in the grocery store parking lot in Canada. It's called Loblaws. I know for you in the States, it's called Trader Joe's and, and, uh, and other grocery stores. And I was thinking about so many things. I had so much on my mind Mm -hmm. that I actually talked out loud as a reminder to myself to buy certain things at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And I ended up bumping into an acquaintance of mine, not a good friend who I could have laughed it off with. And because I said out loud, I felt mortified. And you write in the book that you're not crazy for talking and responding to yourself out loud. Can you say more about this? Because that day, I really needed to say it out loud or I couldn't keep it straight in my mind. And I said it. I think this woman thought, oh, this lady is (laughs) crazy. Well, let me just say this. What you were doing is organizing your thinking. That's what you were doing. Children do it all the time. Have you ever noticed a child busy at play? They're like figuring out their Legos or they're learning how to tie their shoelaces. It's normal to say it out loud. It's actually part of child development for them to say it out loud, to organize their thinking and help them with cognitive processing. You know, growing up, I wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of television. My mother, uh, she didn't want me to be uneducated. So she, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch any of the TV shows. Instead, I learned my multiplication tables. I learned all my multiplication tables by the time I was in second grade. And the way that my mother tested me, like through getting through all my tables is she would ask me out loud and I would repeat out loud. She would ask me out loud, eight times seven, eight times seven is 56. And I would repeat. And then also when I was in ninth grade, you know, I I started slipping with my grades, especially in biology class. My mother's a doctor. So we'd wake up on Saturdays at seven 30 in the morning and my mother would have me read my biology textbook out loud. And she did. Yep. That's how I learned biology and chemistry and all that, because I would read it. And then I would I go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then she would, you know, she would help me too because she's a doctor. So I'm very blessed. You know, I, uh, I've been talking out loud and using that as a way to process since I was a young child. That's so cool. That's mm-hmm. so fascinating. That works very well. And, I, and, and what I want to say about the grocery store thing, like just to completely like just close that loop and like have you hopefully not feel mortified. It's like <laughs> what you were doing was actually very healthy and it's actually very intelligent. If you have five things you need to order, at Trader Joe's, 
and it's all in your head and it all like, roar, 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 you know, it's just like whatever. When you say it out loud, okay, I need to get the spinach pie. I need to get the flowers. I need to get, you hear yourself and you're processing it. Haven't you ever had to remember a phone number? Like, oh my yes. God, I gotta, okay, let me, what do you do? You totally, say yes. totally. Or I'll say like 6872, there are a 68 year old and a 72 year old. Yep. Like, what does that mean? But to me, it means something. I think yes. of two people that are, the, it's, it's so interesting. I also love just going back to the speaking to yourself kindly that in the book, when you write, speak to yourself the way you want to be spoken to. And you suggest that we think of someone in our lives, I thought this was brilliant, who has a soft tone or a calm energy about them, like your friend Nita, Mm -hmm. the calmest human being who you call the queen of composed confidence. How does not only what you say, but how you say it matter so much? I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. We'll hear Vasavi's answer right after this short commercial break. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740. And we were just talking about how do you speak to yourself? Do you do it in a kindly way or not? I'm here with Vasavi Kumar. And just before the break, Vasavi, I asked you how not only what you say, but how you say it matters so much. Well, you know this. Tone is everything. Tone is everything. I grew up with a mom who was extremely harsh, a father who was extremely enabling. So I've had both sides. I've had a harsh mother and I've had a very gentle father. My dad, me and my sister, man, we had him, you know, we were wrapped around his little <laughs> little pinky, you know, my, yes. my, my dad is a wonderful man. My point is, though, in being softer with ourselves, it just it takes practice to be able to speak to yourself in a way that is kinder. And that's if mm-hmm. it feels weird for you to be kinder to yourself, that means means you're on the right path. Because Mm. if being kind and soft and gentler with yourself makes you uncomfortable, ask yourself why you are not worthy of that softness. Mm -hmm. What's uncomfortable about it? And most people say to me, Judy, they're afraid of being patient with themselves. They're afraid of being softer with themselves because then they feel like they're just not going to get anything done. And I'm like, when has being harsh and beating yourself up ever been a sustainable approach? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not a sustainable approach. Yeah, it's not a sustainable approach. That's, that's so so great to know that we can do this. Then we can, and that it's okay that it feels weird at first. Because I was thinking yeah. that I start to talk to myself in the way that you, you know, your friend Nita talks, and at first it felt a little bit weird, but it's actually a very very smart yeah. thing. And try and it on. I try it on. And, and I just I, I want to just bring a little context into here just where this comes from. Like if you don't have the experience of someone being kind to you, it's going to feel weird. I have the experience. 
right? I have a mother who was harsh, which I'm really good at being harsh with myself. And I've had to work on that, right? I was the most Mm -hmm. toxic person in my life. I also have the voice in my head that lets me off the hook all the time. That's Mm -hmm. my father's voice. I had to find the best of both. And so I call that voice in my book, gentle firmness. It's the voice of resistance. It's to help voice with the voice of resistance. You know, when you're afraid of doing something and you don't want to do something, use that voice of gentle firmness. It's both gentle and firm. But um, if you don't have that experience, it's going to be difficult. So be patient with yourself, which is also going to be difficult for many people. So it's not easy, folks, but it's well worth it. It's simple, so not easy. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting. You you also write in the book that when you went through addiction earlier on in your life, you would never look in the mirror. And when you mm-hmm. did, it was difficult. And you suggest that if you're having a hard time being authentic with yourself, you can incorporate a combination of mirror work and saying it out loud practices to help you become more authentic to yourself and to others. Can you elaborate on this a little? Because it's fascinating. Yes. During my addiction, I really would never look in the mirror because I hated myself. I mean, I was using cocaine almost four to five days a week, running a six-figure coaching business, telling people to live their best life while I was doing what I was doing behind closed doors after client calls. This was when I was in a very toxic codependent relationship. And um, it ultimately ended in me going to rehab. So not once, but twice. During that time, I could not look at myself in the mirror because you can't lie to the mirror. You can't lie in front of the mirror. I mean, if you can, I mean, I don't think this book is for you. There's like much much more serious issues there. You know what I mean? But if you can, I mean, most people cannot lie to themselves about how they feel about themselves when they look in the mirror. So I advise anyone, and you can use this before a keynote presentation, before you're leading a workshop, before you get on camera, watch yourself. See the way you move. Look at your facial expressions. And I want everyone to get to a place where you walk by every window reflection and any mirror you see, there is nothing but appreciation for you. Not those, ugh. You know, we do that as women. Like, ugh, I could afford to lose a little weight. Ugh, I have a little bit more cushion than I wanted to get during the pandemic. Ugh, I'm so hairy. We all do it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. But all those micro, ugh, they whittle Absolutely. away at our self-esteem. And that's why we struggle with becoming more visible in our businesses. We sabotage ourselves because we're so closed off with ourselves. We're not open up to other opportunities that may require us to be out there. And this is why you have to look at your self-talk and what you're telling yourself because it affects every area of your life. It'll ultimately affect your bottom line too. Absolutely. As a life coach, I do a whole inner critic thing with people Mm -hmm. and I have them combat those unkind things they're saying to themselves. Like, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough with the actual opposite, even though it may seem fake Mm -hmm. at first to say it, fake it till you make it. So I loved when I read in your book, these wonderful say it out loud exercises at the end of each chapter, especially love the say it out loud affirmations, especially the ones where you use the word I, and then you use the word you. So I'm wondering, when do you know, give us an example of when to use the I word affirmation and when to use the U word affirmation. It's really a vibe. Let me tell you what I mean. When I'm in my emotion, when the emotion has taken over, I am the feeling. Most (laughs) people try to bypass it and try to find the high road. Go take the high road. No, you are bypassing my friend. That is toxic positivity. You need (laughs) to go through these stages and it will be quick once you do it enough times and you're being real with yourself. So When you're sad, yeah, I am sad. I am angry. I am pissed off. I'm annoyed. I feel jealous. Yeah, that is acknowledging the actual experience of what you're experiencing. Okay, great. When you go to you, that's the more of the vibe of like a friend. 
right? Mm-hmm. You're being more friendly with yourself. Like you need to like yourself and you need to be friends with yourself, mm-hmm. like first and foremost, right? So that's where I would say to myself, you clearly are really upset, Vasavi, or, you know, but I, I say you and my first name, but I'll say, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling right now? I heard you saying that you're angry. Tell me more about that. And then mm-hmm. I get to, so then I'm responding back to more of curiosity, right? Friends are more curious than just trying to like tell you what to do. My friends don't tell me what to do. They're curious. They're sweet. They're mm-hmm. kind. They're sensitive. Mm-hmm. So that is creating more of a banter with me and myself. And then we evolve into sage. So it's the feeling, the friend, the sage. The sage is really like, like the all-knowing, the omnipresent. In Hinduism, we call it Brahman. Brahman is the all-knowing, that is consciousness, that is the awareness. So when I say to myself, Vasavi, how are you feeling right now? Vasavi, what are we doing? It is the being that is saying, Vasavi, how are you doing? It is, I I like to say, it's the God within me. It's the most Mm -hmm. logical, integrated, it's both masculine, feminine, logical, emotional, it's all, but it's like the all-knowing, intuitive voice of God within me, which we all have access to. That's when I refer to myself by my first name. Mm -hmm. And the response that I give is often more, I'm not stuck in the feeling. It is more bigger picture. Because when I say Mm -hmm. I am sad, I'm not ready for what is the bigger lesson in all of this. No, stop Mm -hmm. trying to find the lesson immediately. Feel your feelings first. So going Mm -hmm. through these stages of I, you, and then using your first name will help you move through, move Mm. through rather than trying to circumvent what you're going through. It almost reminds me a bit of id, ego, and super ego, but the super ego being the all-knowing, omnipresent, omnipotent. Yes. Very, very Mm -hmm. fascinating stuff. What are your top three tips for getting comfortable talking to ourselves? Oh, okay. Start small, like a Trader Joe's shopping trip. <laughs> you know, start, start small. Start with when you're feeling a little disorganized in your mind and you're like, I have so much to do. Literally say out loud, what do I have to do right now? What are the most important priorities for me to focus on? Saying that to yourself is going to get your brain into solution focused mode rather mm-hmm. than focusing on how much you need to get done. Okay, we've already established you have a lot to get done. Instead right. of swimming in the overwhelm, use your voice to direct you. Use it for everyday things, okay? The second thing is to practice in the shower. I love using the shower time to process ideas or, you know, I'm just enjoying my shower and I may have like a video that I want to post, but I'm trying to figure out how I want to phrase it. I'll just do it in the shower. Like all my creative brainstorming a lot of times happens in the shower, in the car, like start in the privacy of your home. It's going to feel weird. We live in a society that stigmatizes not only talking to yourself out loud, but responding back, right? What's that quote? (laughs) You can talk out loud to yourself, just don't respond back. And I'm actually (laughs) suggesting that you respond back. And here's another thing. I I just, I want to put a pin on this for everyone who maybe you're timid, you're a little shy. It's hard for you to speak up for yourself because you're afraid of certain types of people. If you can stand up to those people and, and in your head, right? Because there's that voice inside of us that's like, oh, you need to be afraid of that kind of person, that kind of, you know, this type of person. So you shut down. But if you can respond back and stand up to the voices in your head that are telling you to silence yourself, that are telling you to be watered down, you can stand up to anyone. There's no reason Mm -hmm. to be afraid of anyone when you can stand up to the voices in your head. That's so cool. So many of us give away our power often to someone who doesn't deserve it. And you say admitting this out loud and taking the necessary steps to love yourself or how you get your power back. What are some of the things that will help you break the cycle when you know that you're giving your power away, but you've you've voiced it now, you've said it out loud. Mm-hmm. How does that help you get your power back? Yeah, so here's the thing. When I, when I went to rehab the second time, right, and I 
knew I did not want to go back there ever again. That was truly the first actual time that I admitted, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I clearly, my life is unmanageable because I'm back here in rehab. And I say this in my book, that the minute you admit, I feel helpless, I feel powerless, I feel stuck, I feel whatever it is, fill in the blank, and you admit that out loud and you ask for help, you suddenly get your power back because mm-hmm. powerlessness is in our minds. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that there aren't people in, in societies that aren't actually powerless. So we're not going to that extreme. I'm speaking to the individual right now who has some sense of personal power in their life, some sort mm-hmm. of sovereignty and your basics are taken care of, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you admit that you are powerless, instead of, and I, I know that might be a hard word for people to admit, no one wants to admit they're powerless, but when you're stuck and you feel helpless and you don't know what to do and, you, and you're just swimming in this feeling, it's like, it's because you feel like you don't have control, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't mm-hmm. have control in that moment. You think you don't. But the minute you say, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help, you Mm -hmm. get your power back because you're doing something about it. You're no Mm -hmm. longer in the problem. You are becoming the solution. And and sometimes being part of the solution is you admitting that you have a problem. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's so so, such great advice. I love your say it out loud exercise where you tell the reader to ask and answer the following questions out loud. So I want to direct this to our listeners now. So the first question is, in which areas of my life am I giving away my power Mm -hmm. to? To whom am I giving away my power? Three, am I willing to forgive myself for not knowing better? Four, what's one step I can take today to step back into my power? And you suggest that people promise themselves anytime they feel powerless to admit it out loud, as you've just said, and be proud of yourself for doing it. Can you say any more about those questions that you say out loud? They're they're brilliant. They really are such great starters. Thank you so much. Well, I think what happens when we admit that out loud is that we realize there's so much of ourselves that are just all over the place and we haven't been able to feel a sense of power within. So when we answer those questions, three things happen, okay? You're able to call yourself out on your own BS. You're able to see where you're giving away your power instead of acting like a victim, instead of acting like a victim, like, oh no, I'm allowing this right? I'm continuing to allow this. Number two, you start to cultivate respect for and trust in yourself. A lot of times people say to me like, wow, how are you able to just be so confident? I go because I respect and trust myself. And the reason why I respect and trust myself is because when I say I'm going to do something for me, for others, I always follow through. It was to me that I broke those promises, Mm -hmm. right? When you start to keep those promises to yourself, you respect and trust yourself more. Then number Mm -hmm. three, when you admit where you've been giving away your power, you start to see that you do know what you need to do. It's just mm-hmm. been hard because we've been conditioned to think that, uh, you know, tolerating BS should be worn like a badge of honor and it mm-hmm. shouldn't be. And that means also from yourself. Don't tolerate that from yourself either. Mm-hmm. You have an interesting phrase that you use in the book. What does it mean to be an emotional perfectionist? Oh my God, I love this term. Annie Hickox came up with this term and I loved it and I related to it. So I I threw it into my book and I weaved it into my book because emotional perfectionism, I think many of us can relate, especially women, but you know, this is across the board. You know, Judy, we think that some emotions are okay to display and some aren't. So that might be like, oh, you know, irritation is easy to display, but I can't show people when I'm really happy. Or maybe, oh, happiness is okay to share, but I can't let people know when I'm sad. That's not acceptable. All of us have our thing. Like, what's the emotion you do not allow other people to see? Oh, I can't let people see that I feel weak 
right now. I can't let people see me sick. I can't let people see me that I'm jealous or insecure. But it's like, okay, well, then you're going to just keep feeling that way. No one's ever going to be able to help you. And therein goes your life. So it's like, you got to be willing to allow yourself to put aside this need to come off as emotionally perfect. You cannot get to where you want in life if any part of you is hiding. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I mean, everyone's definition of success is different. But for me, success is that I am being my full self, that every single part of me is on board and there is no fragmentation within me as I speak mm-hmm. externally. Mm-hmm. Lovely. I also love when you talk and I really want to share this with the listeners about your top three self-soothing practices, things that you can do without anyone else, that this is the coolest part. You don't need a person to do this for you. You can do the self-soothing yourself. What are some of the things that you suggest? So number one is talk out loud to yourself the way you would with someone you love. I suggest to all my clients that they keep a photo of themselves as a child on their fridge, on their desk, and taped to their bathroom mirror so they can practice speaking kindly to themselves when they're experiencing discomfort in their body. So how would you speak to a young child or a friend who's going through a stressful situation? Comfort yourself as you would with a child. And what better child than the one you used to be who still lives inside of you? Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. The second self-soothing practice is to wear something cozy and soft. I'm definitely a tactile person. Like I need my clothes to feel good, soft, cozy. Cozy is a vibe for me pretty much all the time. I mean, what's better than, you know, when you're feeling sad, than your favorite long sleeve t-shirt, which has been broken in oh so perfectly in your favorite (laughs) sweatpants. Just the other day, I wasn't feeling good. I made myself hot chocolate. It was so good with some steamed oat milk. Mm. And I just... I felt really motherly to myself, Mm -hmm. you know, I felt really kind, like, you know, I cried about something, I was upset about something, and I felt really tender. And I asked myself, like, what do I need? And I just wanted something warm. I wanted a warm drink, you know, so I made hot chocolate. And the third thing is to immerse yourself in warm water. So I never used to be that kind of person who took baths. I always thought it was a waste of time. I'm like, this is way too much time for me. But (laughs) as fast as I go, and my mind goes, which is part of my bipolar disorder, which I'm on medication for, you know, but I am naturally a fast person. But what I'm learning is that the more I value slowing down, the more I slow down. Mm -hmm. It's becoming intentional and no diagnosis can control me, right? That's that's what I really want to say for anyone's like, well, if she, I want people to know if, if I can do it, you can do it, you know, no matter what your diagnosis or life history has been. And so whether, when you, whether you begin your morning with a warm bath or you end your day with one, make it a peaceful and relaxing experience. And it's just a really good way to practice being with yourself. Mm-hmm. Self-care. Yourself. Yeah. It's also such a great suggestion. Like I know I'm like this with my kids. I'm so soothing and comforting when they need me, but we don't always use that voice for our Mm -hmm. We know how to do it for others, but not always for ourselves. And it's so important to just pause and be mindful and just check in with yourself and make sure you are doing that for yourself. I also love when you talk about intuition. So I remember Oprah once saying on her show, when your intuition is screaming, you must listen to it. But even when it's softly whispering, Mm -hmm. you still have to listen to it. So what is it that causes us to doubt our gut feelings? And how do we learn to lean into our intuition by asking the right questions? So what causes us to doubt our gut feelings is that we have been conditioned and programmed from a young age to just listen to what everyone else is telling us to do, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't have social media. So there weren't other people putting their thoughts at us, right? We are literally, all we have is our mom, our dad, or whoever took care of us 
and our school and, you know, the uh, religious institution, grocery store, sports. We mm-hmm. are now open to so many different ideas and perspectives out there, which is amazing. But what causes us to doubt our gut feelings is that we're not encouraged in the first place to trust ourselves. We are encouraged to trust somebody else. Trust mommy, trust daddy, trust your teacher, trust it. But like, there's no conversation about trusting yourself. Yes. So true. So true. I also, there's something I adored in this book and many things, but this is something that I just, that really resonated is you have a bunch of wonderful practical ways to help you unplug and reconnect mm-hmm. with yourself and become more intentional about cultivating silence. One of them is to unplug and refrain from listening to podcasts, motivational videos, podcasts for 24 hours, and most importantly, to Instagram, which I'm addicted to, to social media, to horoscopes, which I'm also addicted to. And you say during that time, instead to lean in to your own intuition, mm-hmm. values, and moral compass. Can you say more about that? Yeah, because listen, I'm all, listen, I have a podcast. I'm out here. I have my books. I'm not saying like, don't read my stuff. Don't listen to your podcast. But at some point we do have to hear ourselves. I think it's good to listen to people and read what other people are writing. And if, if you find value following somebody's Instagram account, and use that to, you know, you can question it. You can see if it fits you and your morals and values, but take everything with a grain of salt. Like if something resonates with you, great. Okay, cool. Yes. There's alignment. If it doesn't, leave it. I say this to right. all my clients in all of my groups that I run. I'm going to speak from my own lived experience. I'm going to speak from my own professional training, but mostly yes. my lived experience. If something I say does not resonate with you, if you're curious, ask me a question. If it doesn't resonate, leave it. Period. So that's great. it. But it's important that we start our day with ourself, right? Mm-hmm. And tapping into us rather than having, you know, other people's words flying at our face and in mm-hmm. our earbuds first thing in the morning. Yeah. When you talked about the bath, I thought about how somebody asked me to talk about self-care recently to do a little post about self-care. And right away, what came to my mind was the word selfish. And isn't it true that it makes a lot of us feel selfish? when we do things just for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But you say, if you don't choose yourself, who will? That's where it all begins. So what are some of the ways you can practice self-love without feeling guilty? I mean, even this question, I mean, I appreciate the question, but I think the fact that we even have to ask this question shows us. Just shows the, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, I just, I want people to listening to be like, what would you tell a girlfriend or or your friend or whatever? Hey, I want to go on this vacation. I, you know, I just, I've been wanting to go away for a while, whatever. I just want to go. Not I'm going to go because I'm tired. Like you don't need to explain why you're going on vacation. Just go. You know, you wouldn't say to your friend, that's selfish of you. You would right. never say that to True. a friend. So the question actually is not how do we stop feeling guilty? It's why don't I deserve the same level of understanding and compassion that I offer others? That's the real question. It's not about the guilt. It's not about feeling guilty. It's what would you say to a friend? And why does that not extend to you? Mm-hmm. Why is the love and the compassion one way? Mm-hmm. Why do you not extend it to yourself? It's great. Yeah, Because this show is called Finding Your Bliss, I love when you talk about how important it is to notice what lights you up. Mm -hmm. How does asking yourself out loud, who is the version of me 10 years from now that I want to chase? Mm -hmm. And how can you help connect to that spark, that spark in you? 
So I love that. That came straight from Matthew McConaughey's Best Actor Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. And he said that in his acceptance speech. I visualize a lot. Uh, the beauty of, you know, having a, if you want to call it a mental illness or mental challenge, I've spent a lot of time or a chemical imbalance. I spend a lot of time in my head. So I'm an excellent visualizer. I, I picture things before they happen. I design it in my mind first. So I would welcome everybody to, you know, get comfy on their couch or play some really Zen music in the background and actually allow yourself to visualize dream. It's just like, what would the Judy, what would the Vasa be 10 years from now? Start, don't even do 10 years from now, do a year from now, do three mm-hmm. years from now, mm-hmm. right? Me on this book tour, podcast book tour, none of this feels surprising to me. It was already done in my mind. I already mm. knew I was going to be out here speaking. I, I pictured it first in my mind. And so that is the one thing in life that is very free, which is our imagination, right? That's what mm-hmm. made, I, I believe it was, was it Viktor Frankl? Mm-hmm. Who wrote, yeah, Victor Frankl, who said that what search set, for meaning, search for meaning, what set those apart, who survived in those camps and those who didn't yes. is, a, yeah. And so it's like, you got to find your way of giving yourself that strength, courage and hope. And I find that for me, even in the darkest periods of my life, what got me through was that I pictured myself out of it. I, wow. I said, I'm going to get out of this one day. I don't know how, cause I was hooked. I went from using cocaine one day a week to five days a week. I was very hooked. It was the most lost and disconnected from myself I had ever felt. Hmm. But I knew I was going to get through it. I did not know how. I had no idea I was going to write a book. I didn't know any of these things. But I had some sort of feeling or vision in my head Hmm. that was like, I'm going to get out of this. I didn't know who I was going to become. But I made a promise to God that if I get out of this hell that I'm in, I will help other people. Well, you're, you're absolutely doing that. Another area of your book that I adored because of my work as a coach as well was I do the wheel of life exercise and you've got these mini out loud reflection exercises where you write down every area of your life. So like the wheel. So where you have desires from health, friendships, family, work, mm-hmm. etc. And for each area, you ask yourself out loud, what am I desiring in this area of my life? Mm-hmm. So in my relationship, in my career, in my health and wellness, in my spirituality, and then write down examples and talk to speak to that. Can you say a little more about that? Because I found that so great because it's an active version of the Wheel of Life exercise. Yes. So I I mean, this, I think I only have like two or three exercises in the book where you actually need a pen and paper, but I am a firm believer in writing down what you want, you know, writing it out, getting out of your head, especially when it comes to like your goals that you want, things that you, you've kept it up in your head for a little bit. So yeah, writing it out and then speaking it out loud. So you're you're putting it out on paper and then you're going to say it out loud because most people keep what they want, truly want inside because, you know, once again, programming, we have been programmed to think it is wrong for us to want more. You should just be grateful for what you have. Who are you to think the audacity that you have to want more, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And it's like, oh my God, it's so predictable, right? The mm-hmm. minute you claim more for your life, small-minded people will come out of the woodworks to tell you just how awful you are for wanting more. (laughs) And that is exactly why you need to reinforce it. You need to write it down and you need to say it out loud. Bonus points if you say it to another person. Bonus points, Mm. double bonus points if you say it to 10 people. Every time I pivot into a new season in my life, I tell everyone what I'm trying to create and say, Mm. help me out. 
Hey, I want to be a spokesperson. Hey, I want to get back on TV and be a host again. Let me know. I let people know what I want to do because I know I can't get through this thing called life alone. I'm not trying to act like I'm all hyper independent and don't need anyone. That's a lie. I wouldn't have gotten to where I am without people. So this is a great practice in claiming, writing and saying and asking for what you want out loud and admitting it. Yeah. There's some wonderful everyone affirmations in the book that will get you started doing this. Things like, I am worthy of an extraordinary life filled with fun, play, and ease. I can be whatever I want to be. I'm not defined by my past. I'm fueled by my future. That's a good one. I cherish my uniqueness and it's safe for me to live my life out loud. What is the greatest golden nugget you would like for people to take away from your book? that you don't have to suffer in silence and that you're causing more harm than good to yourself by just keeping all of it inside. You can have anything you want when you say it out loud, when you clear out all the excess noise inside of you, when you make the time and the effort and give yourself the patience to understand yourself, you can have anything you want. What is bliss for Vasavi Kumar? Mm. Let me describe it. Bliss for me is walking down a really beautiful path with some greenery around me. And it's like, God weather, you know, God weather, it's like San Diego weather, 75 (laughs) degrees, little bit of a breeze, not too hot, but just warm enough to keep you kind of a little toasty, but still there's enough breeze. I call it God weather. That for me is bliss. When I just have the wind slightly grazing over my face, I say I'm in the presence of God right now. That's bliss. Mm, That's lovely. Thank you. Well, I have to tell you, it, I have another 25 questions. You're going to have to come back on again yeah. when you get your hosting job on the TV show or the next thing that you do. And um, I'm just wondering in the meantime, what is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? Go to uh, my Instagram handle is my name is Vasavi. Feel free to tag me and Judy and finding your bliss on Instagram. Let us know that you listen to this episode and my website, VasaviKumar.com. You can pre-order the book. I also have a book club in June virtually as a gift to all my readers and pre-order people who purchase. So yeah, you could go ahead and pre-order over at VasaviKumar.com. That's awesome. I want to thank you so much, Vasavi. It's really been delightful having you here. I could talk to you for another two hours. Yeah, we could. We could. Thank you. But we're not going to. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Each week, we spotlight a fabulous person like Vasavi Kumar, who is living their bliss. So if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who is found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. We also love to feature singers and musicians on this show. So if you're a singer, please reach out to us. Also, what did you love about today's show? Are there any guests or topics you'd love us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Just write to us at FYB at FindingYourBliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way, let me know at that same address. And you can also reach out to me on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And of course, you can always follow us on Instagram at The Bliss Minute and The Bliss Minute on Facebook. We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, singer-songwriter Jules is back on the program. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. 
Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And back again with us to sing us out of the show is singer-songwriter Jules Halpern. And she is singing something a little bit different this time. Here's a clip of Jules singing Into the Unknown from the Etobicoke School for the Arts Music Theatre Cinema Spectacular. And it is spectacular. Without further ado, let's all have a listen to Jules. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Wow, that was so fabulous, Jules. We could listen to you all day. To follow Jules and her beautiful music, just go to Instagram and TikTok at Jules underscore music 27. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests, Vasavi Kumar and Jules Halpern for being on the show today. And thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, producer Nayira Amani, associate producer Olivia Weatherall, audio engineer Juliana Yanitsiello, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.